is worthy of all the praise, the glory, and the honor. Right there in your home, wherever you are, you ought to be giving God praise and glory just for him being who he is. He deserves all the glory, all the honor, all the praise simply because he's God. Not because he's done something great, but because he is God. Not because he's granted your wish that you prayed for, but simply because he's God. When's the last time you gave God praise and worship just for him being who he is? Not because he's done anything special. In fact, he's done enough already. And if he never does another thing else for us, he's already done enough. And because of that, we give him praise. Because of that, we give him glory. Because of that, we give him honor. Let me go ahead and push you a little bit more. When's the last time? You opened up your mouth and gave God praise, not for what he is about to do, for what he has already done for you in your life. He has kept your mind. He's kept your body. Oh, he has provided for you. He has brought you a mighty, mighty long way. You were able to go to the store and get what you needed and swipe your card and not worry about it declining. It's because of his provision and his faithfulness that we are where we are. You ought to give God a great praise right there. Simply for him being who he is, and that is God Almighty. That is God Almighty, and he is God all by himself. Can't nobody out-God him because he's God all by himself. Welcome um, to the Hope World Experience, Hope at Home, Hope World Anywhere. We are so glad that you have tuned in this morning, this Christmas morning, this Christmas Sunday, the Sunday before Christmas, as we get ready, amen, as we get ready for that special day. Um, this coming week, but we're so glad that you are worshiping with us today. If you have not done so already, go ahead and share this. Go ahead and like this so that others can be a part of this worship experience as we're continuing in worship, as we're getting ready for the word of God. Go ahead and do that. Somebody else needs to be encouraged. Someone else needs to be a part of this experience today. So go ahead and share this. Go ahead and like it. Go ahead and tag some others in it so they can be blessed by today's worship experience. As always, listen, I'm so honored to be able to stand before you today. I don't take it for granted at all that you have tuned in. Don't take that for granted at all. And I don't take it for granted that God has allowed me to be able to be here, y'all. Just to be able to wake up and to see another day is a blessing all by itself. I woke up, I knew who I was was this morning. I looked in on my girls. They were well. I looked in over, over my wife and she was good. I had all 10 fingers, all 10 toes. Amen. I was able, amen, to brush my hair and shampoo my hair this morning. Go ahead and laugh if you want to. It's okay. Amen. But I was able to get myself prepared, get myself dressed. That's a blessing all by itself. So I thank God for being in the land of the living. I thank God for our team, our music ministry and our media team. Wherever you are, go ahead and give it up for our media team and our worship team, amen, our music ministry, we've been holding down together for these past nine months, and I thank God for them, I thank God for our Sunday morning crew, our office manager, Sister Ross, and our trustees, amen, for taking care of the business of the church, we thank God for everyone, our Sunday school teachers that are on the prayer line every Sunday morning teaching 
the word of God. We thank God that even though we are in a pandemic, ministry has not stopped. Amen. It is still going for them. I thank God to pastor, pastor a, a, a versatile church, a flexible church that can be able to shift and adjust um, with the times. Listen, we're getting ready for the word of God, but as we're getting ready for the word of God, I want to, I want to give you some dates because I want you to put something on your calendar as we are embarking, um, as we're about to exit 2020 and about to enter into 2021. I want to invite you um, beginning Monday, January the 4th um, through Friday, January the 22nd to meet me on the prayer line or to meet me on Facebook Live at 7 a.m. for the first 15. That's what we're calling the first 15. We're going to start this year off with building the foundation of prayer in our life. We're going to start off this year, January the 4th through the 22nd on the prayer line and on via Facebook Live at 7 a.m. from 7 a.m. to 7.15 Monday through Friday, January the 4th through the 22nd. Now, we're not going to go on there on the weekends, on Saturdays and Sundays, just Monday through Friday, the first 15, where we're going to be on the prayer line, we're going to be praying, and we're going to be in the Word of God. Listen. We're going to have a brochure that's going to have some daily devotionals uh, for you that's going to be out in this week or so. Uh, for those that receive mailing from the church, amen, you're going to receive that via mail, amen, and via the postal mail so that you can be a part of what we're doing. I believe, I believe this, I say it all the time and I believe it wholeheartedly, that everything that we need to be effective in life and in ministry is in the womb of prayer. Prayer has to be something that we just don't go to in emergencies. Thank God that we know um, that he is a very present help in the time of trouble but let's not just let's not just reduce God and go and reduce prayer and connecting with God when there's an emergency but let this become a lifestyle a lifestyle that we connect with God on a regular basis I'm telling you it will change your entire life when we make intentional plans to be able to connect with God so it's going to be a great time a great time of growth a great time of, of fellowship as we're connecting with each other but most of all it's going to be a great time of spiritual development as we're connecting with God through prayer. So again, January the 4th through the 22nd, the first 15, every morning at 7 a.m. to 7.15 a.m. Um, via prayer line or Facebook Live, where it's going to be absolutely awesome and dynamic as we begin um, the year of 2020 off. Amen. With this spiritual discipline. All right. If you have your Bibles, journey with me to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, we're ending our series that we've been in, 2020 taught me, Philippians chapter 4, Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 13, Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 13, just three verses, just three verses that we're going to read, and I'm reading for the New Living Translation of the Bible, and it says this. How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you've always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Verse 11. Now, not that I have ever, um, not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content mm -hmm. with whatever I have. Verse 12. I know how to live on almost nothing, <laughs> on how to live with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or with little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. I want to end this series, 2020 Taught Me, um, with the sermon subject, The Struggle of Contentment. 
the struggle of contentment. Pray with me, will you? Father God, we thank you once again for your grace, for your mercy, for your kindness, for your love, your affection towards us, Lord. You've been so good to us, Father, that you haven't left us to just walk around aimlessly in life, but you've given us your word to lead God and direct us. You've given us the help of the Holy Spirit to lead God and to direct us. Father, I'm, I'm asking you to empower me and to infuse me with your spirit as I preach your word, for I can't do it without you. And I pray that we too, as the listeners of the word, that we will ask the Holy Spirit's help to tune up our ears that we can be able to hear what we need to hear, not just for the sake of hearing, but so that we can be able to act and do whatever the word is calling for us to do. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all of God's people said, amen, amen, and amen. The struggle of contentment. The struggle of contentment. I have an app on my phone um, called church matrix i've been using it now for almost about eight nine years now um, it helps me take a record i use it to be able to um, take attendance to see what the numbers was the previous week now granted we're not doing that now but when we were in person in worship i use it to be able to put in certain numbers i wanted to be able to measure where we were last year compared to last week and compared to the current week when it comes to attendance i put in often and tides numbers to see where we were last year where we were last week and where we are this current week just to be able to see notice the trends to be able to help make budgets to be able to know where we are number wise and so I use it I use it religiously every week Sister Mary would give me the numbers of, of attendance and then Sister Jakar would give me the numbers for tithes and offering I would put those in and, and some Mondays were better than others I'll be honest with you some Mondays I sat back Yes, man, we were able to get over that 200 mark and not even including kids. Uh, we, were able, we were able to meet our financial goal that particular week. And so Monday, depending on what numbers were I, that I put in, determined what type of Monday I would have. I know, I know it sounds crazy, but I'm pretty sure there's some pastors watching. You can be able to understand uh, my plight. And so depending on, once again, what those numbers were, determine how my Monday was going to be. If the numbers were not what I thought they would be. My Mondays were horrible. I would sit there trying to figure out what did I do? What didn't I do? How did we miss the mark? What do we need to change? What do we need to do? Did I preach too long? Did I, did I talk too long? What, what changes do we need to make in our order of service? What do we need to know to be able to attract new people? What do we need to do to get our offering? Do I preach a series on giving? Am I, am I talking too much about giving? Am I talking too less about giving? What do I need to do in order to be able to give things away? that I need them to be. March 15th, our last service of in-person worship here at the well. From March 22nd on, we've been virtually for Sunday mornings. And I just said, oh, man, I, I don't have to worry about church makers. Matrix, I'm good. I ain't going to deal with that no more. But now that whole thing has shifted. I've gone from looking to how many butts are in the seats now to measuring how many shares do we have, how many likes 
do we get? How, how many hearts? How many emojis? That first week, March the 22nd, that first Sunday that we went live, I was anxious and nervous all week. Okay, God, we aren't going to be here till the summer. We can be able to navigate this thing until the heat comes because we were told that the seat in the summertime would kill off the virus. So I'm measuring in my mind, we got about a good two, two and a half, three months of doing this virtually, and then we'll be back safely in the sanctuary. We just knew everything was going to be good. I'm nervous all week, making sure we got the right equipment to do what needs to be done. I'm nervous because I'm thinking, will people still give? Because some folks, I know most pastors won't tell you this, but some people, if they don't walk into the building and sit down, they're not going to give. I know, I know, I know. You didn't ask for all that. It does not matter how many online options you have. If they don't come in the building... They're going to keep their $2 to themselves. I'm just playing with you. It was more than $2, $2.50. They're going to keep to themselves. They're going to keep it and not give it at all. So I'm nervous. God, are you going to be able to provide for us during this time? I, I'm thinking the worst case scenarios of all the different things that could happen. First Sunday, March 22nd, we go live. Five minute countdown till we get ready to go live. I mean, it's 179 people watching live. I'm excited. Minister Ford is facilitating service. He's next to me. I am geeked. I'm excited. We haven't even started. The praise team haven't even sung yet. And we already got over 179 people viewing live. And then after service, service was amazing. The worship team sang their behinds off. I preached a good word. Oh, it was such a good day. I went back at the end of the night and I looked that we had over 1.1 or over 1.1 thousand views. I was excited. We had over 50 some shares. I'm geeked. I was on a pastor's conference call the next day and we were just kind of uh, uh, helping each other to see how we navigate through the first Sunday of virtual worship and so my mentor, Pastor Soros, asked, does anybody want to share? I said, I testify. <laughs> And tell her the goodness of Jesus. I said, man, we had over 59 shares. We had over 179 live viewers. I mean, giving was good. People were dropping their ties and offering off. They were giving online. I mean, we had great interaction online. I was pumped. I was excited. I sent an email to the church the next day sharing with them how we were able to impact so many lives and all the people. We had one person that particular Sunday that wanted to accept Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. I said, man, we done hit the jackpot now, baby. We ready. All right. March 29th comes. We still rolling. First Sunday in April comes. We still rolling. Look down, look down from before, but we still rolling. We looking good, honey. That Sunday after Easter, numbers just started to go down, down, and down. It wasn't 179 live viewers anymore. It wasn't 1.1 thousand views at the end of the service. It wasn't 59 shares. So that particular Sunday made for an agonizing Monday. As I began to sit there and think about what did we not do? What did I not say? What did I say too much of? What do we need to do? The service needs to be shorter. We're already about an hour. Do I just need to give like a little pep talk and to just get us going? What do we need to do to be able to engage people? I went from counting the butts in the seats to measuring my effectiveness as a pastor, as a preacher, by how many shares, likes, and views 
that I had. Crazy, huh? Holy Spirit had to check me for a moment. And I had to ask myself a real question that I want to ask you this morning. Are we ever really totally satisfied? We think, we think, man, man, if when I get this job, I'm going to be on cloud nine. I just got to get this position. All, y'all, all I need to do is get the interview, and I'm going to kill the interview, and the job is going to be better. All I got to do is get the house. All I need to do is I got, the, I got how every room is going to look. I know what needs to go in the room. If I just get the house, I'm going to be good. If I just get married, oh, my goodness, I'd be a great husband. I'd be a great wife. If, God, if you just send the right person person to me all will be well now that I'm married if I just be able to have a daughter a son and a dog named Lionel I'll be all good to go if I could just get that I'll be good are we really ever satisfied now don't get me wrong that's nothing wrong with ambition that's nothing wrong with us wanting to do better. That's nothing wrong with us wanting to be able to change our lives, especially if you have a family, for your family to be able to live better and to experience better and to do better. There's nothing wrong at all with ambition, but ambition becomes dangerous when it's self-centered ambition and has nothing to do with Christ. Nothing to do with others. Are you ever satisfied? question I have to ask myself because I went from measuring my effectiveness to how many people were in the seats, what tithes and offering was, now to measure my effectiveness based off the number of likes and shares that I had. I have to ask myself the question, Swim, Chip, are, are, you, are you ever satisfied you you were living high on the hog when you had over 159 viewers i had to ask myself the question then who are you preaching for are you preaching are you singing for the likes are you preaching are you singing for the shares or are you preaching and teaching to an audience of one which is christ because the truth is you can have a church packed tithes and offering be off the roof and still miss Jesus. You can have all the shares, all the likes, and still not render a service unto the king that is pleasing to him. Are you ever really satisfied? Ask yourself the question right now. I'm going to be a little nosy. Are you satisfied right now? Because if one thing this pandemic has taught us, how, how disgusted we are with our lives. It has really set the pause and set the precedence because now for many of us back in the beginning when we were quarantined and sheltered in, we had to sit there and deal with the reality of the fact that my life is not what I desire for it to be and I don't have what I inspire to have. It's not what I thought it was going to be. There was no place that you can go to be able to run from it. You just at home looking at your spouse, disgusted. Looking at your kids, disgusted. Looking at your dog, disgusted. Looking at your house, disgusted. And what has happened, saints of God, that disgust has turned into mere ungratefulness to God. Mm. Help us, Lord. We can't see what he has done. We just see what he hasn't done. <laughs> Oh, man, I wish y'all would help me preach this morning. We, 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 we see.
sitting there and we're having to deal with the reality. I don't like where I am right now because I have not gotten to where I expire to go. And I ask God some questions, Lord. Why haven't you? I, 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 I'm seeing you bless others with homes, God. They're not even faithful in paying their tithes and offer, but here I am. Faithful. And I just have this. <laughs> oh, I see you looking at me in the spirit. I see you looking at me because that's what happens. We, 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 we get so upset with God and we get an attitude with God that the current blessings don't become blessed. It's just this. God, you've given me this. But you bless them. You see that blessing, but all you see is this. God, they got the job. I'm, I'm more qualified. I got the degrees. I got, I got all of that, God, but you're just giving me this. Are we ever really satisfied? Paul blows my mind. This brother is sitting in prison due to false accusations and he writes a letter to the church at Philippi for two reasons. He's writing this letter to thank them for their giving. Uh-huh. And he's writing this letter to be able to encourage them to have joy no matter what. Oh man, this messes me up because Paul, again, he is sitting in prison for false accusations and he takes out a pen and paper and he begins to write a letter to the church at Philippi to thank them because he's in prison. At one point, they did not have the funds to be able to be a blessing to Paul, but they, when they were able to be a blessing, they sent the message by a servant that went to Paul to give him the blessing. So Paul writes this letter to the church of Philippi to thank them for their giving. I like this because here's what Paul does. Here's what Paul does. Paul, get it here. He's in prison. Now you have to understand Paul was in, Paul was in ministry, but he was bivocational. Paul was a tent maker. So by him being in prison, he's not able to make tents anymore, which means what? He's not able to have any income. So he doesn't have any income. He doesn't have nothing to be able to be put on his books. But what Paul does notice that when he writes his letters to the churches, never does he talk about how much he needs. Never does when he writes a letter, never does he end the letter with his signature and then his cash app information. He does not do that at all. He doesn't give them his email address. He just goes and gives them what thus says the Lord. And whatever need that Paul has, he prays to God of heaven. And the God of heaven says, you know what, Paul? I see what you're trying to do, and I know that you're in need. So what I'm going to do, Paul, I'm going to put you on somebody's mind. I'm going to put you on the mind of the church of Philippi and they had the funds and they sent the funds to Paul and Paul began to write them a letter and tell them how much he thanked them for the giving because he didn't have to do it. Okay, here it is, here it is. Sometimes, oh God, I'm about to get in trouble with the Holy Ghost. Go ahead, help me this morning. Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes we talk too much. Okay, okay, okay. Let's put this into now. Let's put this down in the context of the world that we're living in. Sometimes we post too much on social media and we're putting out there all of our business. I want to do a TED talk and say, hey, I should not know what's going on in your life based off the posts that you make on social media. I should not know what's going on in your house. So there's one thing. I'm going to put some things out there to inspire you. I may put some things out there to be able to, uh, to cause you to trust more on the God and to be able to laugh. But you will never know what's going on in the swim's household through social media. All right. 
Why? Because it ain't none of your business what goes on at the house. You will never know if things are up or down here at the well because I'm not going to put it on social media. So what does Paul do? Paul talks to God. And as Paul talks to God, God puts somebody, God puts Paul on somebody's mind and they in turn bless him. Paul thanks him because look at verse 10, y'all. It's right here in the Bible. Look at verse 10. It says, how I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. They've done this before. I know that you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to be able to help me. Now, not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. Paul wants them to be able to understand. Listen, I want you to know that whether you bought an offering or you did not, I don't want you to get the idea that I've been struggling. <laughs> Paul says, I never want you to get out there. I never want you to get the idea that I'm broke, busted, and disgusted even while I'm in prison. He said, no, 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 no. I want you to understand and to know that God has been taking care of me and he's been providing for every need that I have. I got to insert a little praise break right there because over the past nine months, I know there are plenty of you, hundreds of you that can be able to testify that with a job or no job, God has met every financial need in your life with a stimulus check or without one, God has met every financial need in your life. Without taxes or no taxes, God has met every need in your life. Without child support or no child support, God has met every need in your life. Without without your social security check or your retirement check or not, God has met every need in your life. It's not that you've been so good. It's not that you've been a good steward. It's not that you've been so kind. It's because of every time you had a need, you didn't run the people you ran to God and because you put God first and you trusted God and you said, God, if you don't make a way, there will be no way. God, if you don't open up a door, there will be no door open. God came down and bam, blew your mind and blessed you in ways that you did not know. Nobody can be able to take the credit for what the Lord has done but him. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. He said, don't get it twisted now. I ain't went hungry. Or lack nothing. Thank you, Lord. Because God has been providing and, and taking care of me. I told you, that's why he writes this letter to the church of Philippi to encourage to thank them. But not just to thank them for the gift. But he writes this letter to the church of Philippi. Thank you, Jesus. To help them to always have joy. talking about you are in prison for false accusations and you're writing to a people and you're thanking them but you're also encouraging them to always have joy paul how can you have joy when you are in prison for something you did not even do how do you have joy paul when you are behind prison bars and in there by yourself the guards may treat you well they may not treat you well paul understood that the pressures and the suffering that i'm going through right now it will be worth it in the end but he realizes that my joy is not predicated on what i have but my joy is predicated on who has me who am i talking to this morning merry christmas because the reason why you have joy right now is not based off of external stuff it's based off the peace and knowing that God has you, that Jesus has you wrapped around his hands, and that he is going to take care of you. Yes. 
Oh, Sister Nunu used to sing a song growing up. She would come and sing it sometimes for me for my anniversary. She would say, this joy I have. The world didn't give it, and the world can't take it away. She had the cute little pigtail. She's growing up now into a beautiful young lady, but she had the cute little pigtail, and she'd get that foot to tap it, and her mama be on the piano, and she would take it up and out. This joy I have. The world didn't give it. And the world cannot take it away. Here it is. Let me hurry up and get out your way. You still got some Christmas shopping to do. Here it is. Let me give you a working definition of contentment. Contentment is a state of peace that goes beyond emotions but settles my soul in the journey that God is taking me. I got to hurry up. Uh-uh. Go ahead. Contentment is a state of peace that goes beyond my emotions, meaning that, 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 that the contentment that I have that the Lord has me in is that I'm not going to be moved by external stuff that will control or determine my emotions. Uh-huh. But it settles my soul, I like this part, in the journey that God is taking me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ooh, in other words, Contentment is I am resting in the sovereign hands of God on the destination and the destiny that he has for my life. There is nothing worse than a disgusted soul that is dissatisfied with everything in life. Have you ever met somebody Oh, God, and I hope they're not in your house right now. Have you ever met somebody that whenever you talk to them, oh, they're just disgusted? It could be a beautiful day outside. The sun is shining bright. Hair was unopened up. They ain't ran out of no chicken. The line is quick. You go in there, you get your six priests fried hard with extra mild sauce on it and an extra cup of cold salt and all as well. But they will find something to complain about. The reason why, it's because their soul is controlled by their emotions and not controlled by the peace of God. They're disgusted, and because they are disgusted internally, now they have a disgusted, displeasurable, dissatisfied soul that is mad and upset about everything. You do realize, you do realize that when you do not walk in contentment, when you do not walk in the peace of God, when you do not enjoy the journey that the Lord is taking you on, when you are not settled in your soul, you do realize that this content will turn into jealousy, right? You do realize that, right? Well, you will never be able to celebrate anybody else. You will never be able to acknowledge anybody else. Somebody gets a new house, you go over. Oh, oh, this is okay. This is, mm mm-hmm. This is all right. Now you turn to somebody, I don't know how they, you know, the last house they had, they lost it. They couldn't keep up with the mortgage. They couldn't even keep the lights and gas on, but you didn't hear that from me. What difference does it make? It's none of your business whether they lost it or not. The fact is they have to celebrate with them. Most of us, we will never receive any blessings from God because we can't celebrate with nobody else because our souls are so disgusted because we're faced with the reality. What they have, I don't have. Where they are, I wish it was me. And because we wish it was us, 
We can never celebrate with anybody else. Let me go ahead and get out and get out hey. your way. It's almost 11 o'clock. You still got a preface for dinner on Friday. Here it is. Contentment is a struggle. Get this, you all. When we compare ourselves to others, I just opened up the door a few minutes ago talking about that. Contentment was a struggle when we compare ourselves to other people. Contentment is a struggle. We will never walk in the peace of God. We will never walk. We will never appreciate the journey that God has us on as long as we are comparing ourselves to others. Yep, uh, Ooh, I had to remind myself. I had to remind myself whether we get a lot of shares or not. Whether we get a lot of likes or not, it does not, it does not authenticate the anointing that God has on my life. I dare not, I dare not, I dare not, I dare not have to compare myself to some other pastor that's getting a thousand views or all these different likes. Just as they are anointed, I'm anointed as well. Just as God has called them, God has called them as well. You, my brother, you, my sister, you dare not have to stoop down and compare yourself to anybody else. Don't you know that's a slap in God's face for you have been fearfully and wonderfully made that the path that you are just because God may not have opened that door. Don't you realize, I like what Dr. Tony Evans says, that when things don't work out the way that you thought that they should, God has to be up to something else. And I have to learn that even in the hallway as me going from where I am to where I desire to be, that I have to learn how to be able to praise God in the hallway and thank God in the hallway and allow God to share some stuff off of me while I'm in a hallway because if he cannot get rid of my disgusted soul and deal with my comparisons issues and my insecurity issues, I can mess up the blessing he has for me. Oh, contentment is going to be a struggle if you're always looking at yourself and comparing yourself to others and what they got and what they're doing. Don't you realize, don't you realize, let me go ahead and, uh, and mess with you real quick about social media. Don't you realize that people can be able to post and make adjustments to these pictures and make it look as if it's real? Right. Ooh, don't you realize that everything that glitters ain't gone? Oh, it can look good. Oh, yeah. Oh, my. Can you, do you see how happy they look? Oh, my gosh. Do you look at the way that he looked at her? He looked into the soul of our heart. Oh, did you just see how she looked at him? Oh, did you see him get into that car? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's all well and fine. And you can see, you can see all the different things that they have and the things that they have been able to get in their possessions. But do you realize the cost and the story that goes behind it? Oh, a preacher walked up to Bishop T.D. Jakes and said, Bishop, I want your anointing. I want to be able to preach to thousands just like you are. And Bishop took their hand, I'm paraphrasing, and began to pray. And he prayed that they, would, that they would endure every struggle that he had to encounter to get to where God has him. And they stopped him. They said, Bishop, stop, stop, stop. They said, wait. He said, well, I thought you wanted my anointing. She, she said, yeah, they said, yeah. He said, well, you can't have my anointing without the pain and the pressure and the struggles that I have gone through. So before you compare yourself with somebody else and wish you had what they had and wish you were where they were and driving where they're driving and married to who they were married to, make sure you realize there's a story behind what has gone on and experience that they have endured. Right. 
that you may not even have the capacity to be able to endure. Because here is a sad story. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Holy Ghost. Here's a sad story. We are creating a weak generation of believers that don't know how to go through anything. They don't know how to go through anything. There are some things you can praise your way through and shout your way through, but there are some things that you're going to have to cry and roll and struggle through. There are some things that you're going to have to call on the Father and say, Father, I stretch my hands to you. No other help I know. If you don't help me, I won't have any help at all. There are some things that we will encounter in life that praise and your tongue and your shout may not get you through it, but it will help you to be able to bear it as you go through it. Paul says you ain't got to compare yourself to nobody else. Because Paul could have done that because there were other churches that had more money and had the resources to be able to bless them. But they didn't. He could have said, hey, Corinthian, y'all could have. That's unlikely, y'all could have. But he appreciated what the church at Philippi had done. When was the last time, preachers to myself included, when was the last time you told God, thank you for where you are right now? Oh, but pastor, I, I can't thank him because it's hell right now. When's the last time, even with the hell included, have you taken the time to say, God, I thank you? When's the last time? When's the last time? When's the last time? And even in the midst of the struggle and the pain and the pressure with tears running down your eyes, that you lifted your hands toward heaven and said, God, I thank you. Thank you. it's going to be a struggle. Contentment would be a nightmare if you're continuing to compare yourselves to others. Contentment, here it is, second thing. Contentment is a struggle when you can't handle your current status. Look at it. Look at verse 11 and 12. He says, not that I have ever been in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or with little. <laughs> Paul says, I've learned how to manage every status, every place, mm -hmm. every situation that God has had me. He says, I know how to navigate when I got everything. Mm -hmm. Paul said, and I also know yeah. how to navigate when I ain't got nothing. Hallelujah. I like I like what Pastor, what Pastor Howard John um, Wesley says, the pastor of Alfred Street um, Baptist Church in Virginia. I like what he says. He says that we are our most holiest when we have little. Yeah. Why? Because when we have little is when we depend more upon God. Right. When we have little, it's when we're going to pray. When we have little, it's when you can even beat us to the church to get in there. When we have little, it's that we're the first ones on the dance floor to be able to praise God. But when we have more, right. <laughs> for some reason, we drift away from the master and we hold on to our possessions more 
that we hold on to Christ. Here it is, saints of God. God has no problem. God has no issue with us having stuff. The problem and the issue becomes when stuff has us. God has no problem. God has no issue with us having stuff. The problem and the issue becomes when it turns into greed. God has no problem or issue with us having stuff. The issue becomes when we become self-centered and we self-sabotage ourselves because everything becomes about us and we want to live in a world where the world orbits around us. God has no problem with us having stuff. God has a problem when stuff has us. Here's the question that has to be asked. Here's the thing I'm about to say to you that may make you mad and make you tune out, but I hope that you're mature enough to stay right where you are and allow the Holy Spirit to be able to minister to you. Well, how, how far, how, how much can God bless you without losing you? Mm. All right. Because here's the truth of the matter. I know, I know what some of these prosperity preachers preach now, but here it is. Everybody ain't going to be a millionaire. Yeah, that's true. Say it, Pastor. Everybody ain't going to have a six-figure job. Everybody ain't going to live in a mansion. Right. Everybody ain't going to be a CEO of a company. Yeah. Everybody ain't going to be married. Everybody ain't going to have kids. So what's the secret, Pastor? I have to learn to be able to be flexible to live and to navigate and to manage whatever situation that comes my way. Why? Because life is ever-changing, you all. That's one thing the pandemic has told us. Life is ever-changing. Things are changing. My, 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 my grandmother's last brother went home to be with the Lord. They funeralized him last Tuesday, and, and, and we were just kind of torn by that because him, the relationship that him and my grandmother had, and because we were not able to celebrate his life the way that we wanted to, and then it was just the mere fact of how much he looked like my grandmother. So looking at the obituary, it was like looking at my grandmother and it brought back memories for my mom, brought back memories for us just as much as they looked alike. But then in that same day where we were torn in grief, that night my second great nephew was born. Just like that we went from grief to joy. Life is ever changing all the time. So it's not so much we've learned how to master when there's little. We know how to manage on little. We know how to make $2 stretch until payday. But it's when we're abounded. Paul says in the New King James Version, I've learned how to live the base and I've learned how to live abound. It's about living abounding that we need the Lord to help us. And that's where contentment comes in. Okay. Well, he helps us through life situations and circumstances. Mm-hmm. How to live at every status. How to live at every status. Because here it is, saints of God, every status, whether you have little, whether you have more, there should be a constant dependability upon the Lord to be able to help you. There has to be something on the inside. Because listen here, Paul, notice what Paul says. He said, I had to learn how to be content. This wasn't a natural thing. He had to learn through life teaching him how to be content. To be satisfied, how to have your soul settled at where you are right now. I know, I know we shout when somebody say more. We shout when somebody say better. Oh God, we shout when we hear words like that because it infuses us to be able to go after better and to be able to go after more. But can I suggest something to you, saints of God? 
that sometimes it's not the more, it's not the better that we should be going after. It should be Jesus that we should be going after because if I get him, I'll get everything. He says, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and all his righteousness and all other things shall be added. If you get him, you get everything. So our aim, our ambition should not be just to get more, to get better, but also our aim and our and our aim and our ambition should not be to be complacent either. Oh, help me, Holy Ghost. That contentment doesn't mean that you settle. Contentment just means I have, I, my soul is rested in where God is taking me and the journey that God has me on right now. I know that I can be able to, uh, I know that I can be able to go do better. I know I can be able to do more to better my life. There's nothing wrong with that at all because contentment does not mean complacency. Right. Contentment doesn't, doesn't mean just because somebody wink at you, that means that's the one that you marry. No, it ain't. Oh, God, you'll find yourself in trouble. Praying for the Lord to take you out. Praying for the Lord to get you out of it. Isn't it strange that sometimes the very thing we pray for God to do in our lives will be the very thing that we pray for God to get us out of? Right. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, okay. I'm not talking about you as your neighbor in the other house. That sometimes we have prayed some things to God to do for us. We done turned that bad boy around. Now we're praying for God to take it away. He wants to teach us through life how to be able to manage and handle every status, every position, every situation. Yes. Not just to be content, but to have joy in the midst of it. Look at this last thing right here. Contentment is founded in the strength of Jesus and not our own. Look at this, you all. Look at this. Look at verse 13. We all quote this, and we quote this out of context because there's some, oh, I'm not even going to go there. I'm not going to even say it. I'm not going to even say it. Here it is. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. We, 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 we hold on to that. We preach that I can do all things through Christ, but some of the stuff that you're doing, Christ isn't even in the center of it. All right. So how can you do everything through Christ and he's at the center of what you're doing? You want God, here it is, we want to be able to put together, we want to be able to put together a crafty salvation and a crafty Jesus to be able to adjust to whatever our agenda is. And honey, it don't work like that. There are some things you're trying to get God to do. God said, wait a minute, you ain't never included me. You ain't never invited me and I'm not at the center of it so I'm not going to bless it. Oh, I know, I know. Merry Christmas. Amen. I know, I know, I know. Paul says that I am able to be content in every situation. Paul says the reason why my soul is able to be at rest, the reason why I'm not walking around here this dissatisfied, the reason why I'm not posting everything that's going on in my life and having people thinking there's something wrong with me emotionally and mentally because I go up and down in the same day. He said, the reason why I am able to handle every situation and every status that I have in life, it's not on my own strength. It is through the strength of Christ that I'm able 
to have joy when I'm facing hell. It is through the strength of Christ that I'm able to know how to live with little and how to live with much. It is through the strength of Christ that when I don't have much, he gives me the wisdom on how to manage what I already got. It's through the strength of Christ that when he blesses me beyond my wildest dreams, that he settles me and keeps me grounded so that he won't lose me. Paul says at the end of the day, it started with Jesus and it's going to end with Jesus and Jesus is in the middle of it. And I'm sure there's somebody that can testify with me this morning. The reason why you've been able to make it the way that you have right now, it has not been on your own strength. It's not been because my mandate has been praying. It has been because of Christ. The reason why you've been able to manage working from home and homeschooling your kids at the same time when you thought you were going to lose your mind, it's because of the strength of Christ. The reason why you've been navigating through everything and haven't been touched through by COVID, it's because of the strength of Christ protecting you and providing for you and watching over you. The reason why you're about to enter into 2021 and end 2020 is not because of your own self. You should have lost your mind a few months ago, but it's been because of the strength of Christ. It's been because he's been the rock that you sit on. It's because he's been your hiding place where things got tough. It's been because of Jesus. It started with him. It ended with Jesus. And he's in the middle of it right now. And the truth be told right now where you are, you ought to get up and go crazy and give God praise. You ought to get up and open up your mouth and begin to praise God and thank God and say, God, I thank you for who I am right now. I thank you for what I have right now. I thank you for who I am right now because the good news of the story is he's not done blessing me yet. He's not done making a mold in me yet. He's not finished with me yet. But while he's molding me, while he's shaping me, I'm going to put a praise on it and thank you for what he's already done. Is there anybody in the virtual sanctuary that can put their hands together and open up your mouth and thank God for where you are right now? but you can hear me. I said, I dare you to open up your mouth right now and praise God for where you are right now. Frustrated, irritated, agitated at all. Thank him right now. Thank you. So, Pastor, how do I apply this to my life? How do I make this make sense? You can either choose contentment or you can live a life of dissatisfaction. And the choice is yours. The choice is yours. Because here's what I've learned. If you choose to be disgusted, and let me just say this. Being disgusted right now, I know you may not hear a pastor say this, but I'll keep it real with you. Being disgusted right now with everything that's going on in our world, uh-huh. in some ways, is the right response. <laughs> I, I, I can feel you why. I can understand why. I told you this past Tuesday, my second great nephew entered into the world. I'm blowing my niece's phone up. Every few hours calling. 
thinking in my head that he's going to change from how he looked at one to three. I call her at one o'clock. Oh, look at him. I call him at three o'clock. Oh, he ain't got big. He ain't got big in two hours. He ain't got big. I'm just excited to see him. And realizing by the time, by the time I will ever see him in person, he's probably going to be crawling. By the time I'm able to touch him and have him in my arms, he'll be crawling, sitting up. Crazy. I'm disgusted by that. Family members have passed, and I wasn't there to be able to say goodbye. I'm disgusted by that. Not being able to gather together in person to fellowship. I'm disgusted by that. I got a choice to make. I, 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 can, I can either enjoy the journey the Lord has us on right now or I can be disgusted. But here, here's, here's the other side of living in disgust. <laughs> Soon, Soon, because everything around you is so disgusted, you will become disgusting and nobody want to be around you. Nobody, it's enough. We're in the pandemic, got all this other going. I, I, I can't, I cannot answer your call today. I cannot respond to your text or your email right now. I, I don't, I'm not emotionally ready to do that, to do that yet. Because it's just too much. I, I need you to give me a warning before you dump on me and tell me everything. Give me a heads up. Because I can't handle it. You got a choice. Walk in contentment. Walk in disgust. Walk in disgust. Walk in disgust. The choice is yours. The choice is yours. But I want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you today. I want you to enjoy the journey the Lord has you on right now. Because let me tell you this. A songwriter said it. It won't always be like this. God is turning things sooner or later. It's going to turn in my favor. He's turning things around. For who? For me. For us. It won't always be like this. We're not going to always be in a pandemic. We won't always just be in a virtual sanctuary. We'll have virtual or in person. It'll be your choice which one you choose. We won't always have the physical distance. I don't like saying social distance. We won't always have to physically distance ourselves from others. Soon it'll be safe. Oh, I can't wait for the day that I can be able to hug Hope Well. Oh, I can't wait that when I see a Hopewell member in Walmart, I can go and talk to him and not worry about how many, and not be concerned about how many cars are between us while we're talking. Sooner or later, 
be where you always are. God's going to turn some things around. In fact, he's turning things around. Don't you ever forget that just because you don't see him moving don't mean he ain't moving. <laughs> Paul's a living testimony of that. That while he's in prison, God is moving on his behalf and sending people to bless him. It won't always be like this. Somebody needs to hear me say it again. It won't always be like this. I wish we were in person because I would tell you go hug three people right now. But since you're at home and it's safe, go hug three people and tell me it won't always be like this. Put it in the chat box. It won't always be like this. Tag somebody in the chat box and say it won't always be like this. Sooner or later, it's going to turn in your favor. God sees the work that you've been putting in. God sees your tears. God sees everything that you have been doing beside and behind the scenes. God sees it all. He sees those unspoken requests. He knows your heart. He knows where you are before you even state where you are. Sooner or later. I don't know who I'm preaching to. Sooner or later, it's going to turn in your favor. Sooner or later. It's going to turn. Sooner or later, you're not going to always be disgusted. You're not going to always be depressed. You're not going to always be down. You're not going to always be unemployed. You're not going to always be lonely. He's going to turn things around. He's turning things around. He's turning things around for you right now. He's turning things, he sees you, man of God. He sees you, woman of God, right where you are. He's turning things around. He's turning things around. He's teaching you how to be content. He's teaching you how to live dual lives, how to live with little and how to live with nothing. He's teaching you that it started with him. It's him in the middle and it ends with him. He's teaching you how to enjoy the journey. Sooner or later. Sooner or later. Woo. It will turn in my face. Come on, say it again. Sooner or later. Sooner or later. Come on. Turn in my face. Come on. Everybody, everything sooner or later. Spirit. 